right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode here on Primal Athletics Radio. Today, we are continuing our talk with some members about body image. So basically, what we wanted to do with this little series is get some varying perspectives on what body image means to different people, maybe how they've had a relationship with their own body image, with other people's body image, and how that maybe affects how they feel about themselves, how they feel in a community. And if, if CrossFit has changed, you know, helped improve, maybe, maybe not even, uh, maybe, you know, some unhealthy signs of how, how we're building a relationship with body image and just kind of diving into that whole realm of thinking. So welcome Aaron on to the podcast today. Aaron, thank you for spending your time with us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So I'm just going to open it up to you first off with when you hear the term body image, what do you think of? Um, I definitely think of the way that we perceive ourselves physically. And I kind of think that body image is inextricably linked to self-esteem and self-esteem is our self-worth. But all of these concepts like body image, self-esteem, self-worth, they're all informed by our self-perception, but they're also informed by what we think others think about us or how they perceive us. And that's like with my own journey in life. And especially over the last two years since filing a divorce, I've become really aware of how my perception of self was so shaped by my ex-husband and um, that I learned, I guess, starting in my childhood, but then ultimately reinforced by my marriage, I really learned to tie my sense of self-worth to my body. It's interesting you said that in our last episode, Brendan, who we, who we interviewed, when he gave his answer, he said, it's pretty much, to me, it's how I feel when I look in the mirror. And, and I kind of had this little counter and I was like, that's funny because for me, when I hear the word body image, a lot of times I think outwardly, like how am I, how yeah. am I viewed by other people? You know, how are they picking me up? How, how am I projecting myself outward? Um, so it's funny that there's that little kind of dichotomy going on. Yeah, there's, um, it's like, I agree with you that it's like a projection or reflection. We mirror back what people project onto us about ourselves and we do it physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, at least that's my personal belief. And I remember taking, it was actually an Asian American studies class back in the day when I was doing my bachelor's degree. And we talked a lot about that concept and how like a person Obviously, in this case, we were talking about a minority group living in the United States, but how their self-perception is so shaped by the majority and how we perceive them. That class just was probably the first time I was really introduced to this concept about how our um, self-perception is really a mirror or projection of what other people see of us. And Brendan, it sounds like that is the ideal, right? That our body image is only informed by ourselves. Like that would be wonderful if our body image was really like, we look in the mirror and see, especially if it's an empowering perspective, I guess I should say, but, but really it is so informed by media news, um, the people in our circles. I mean, I just think back to one of my first memories of being aware of my body is my dad comparing mine and my sister's bodies and talking about my big bum. Right. And it's like, so I, and there's just a ton of stories to follow that. 
Um, so I, I learned at like six or seven years old that, you know, my part of my worth and my value is tied to what I look like. Yeah. It seems like some of that stuff is so also so deeply entrenched genetically in a way, like, uh, you know, evolutionarily linked to how we perceive others and how we think others are perceiving of us. Like these, there are these social hierarchical, hierarchical structures, um, that are like almost subconscious, you know, and, and I think a lot of that plays into, you know, how people maybe view others or how they view themselves specifically on looks and, and how the, how the body looks to other people and whether in shape, out of shape, tall, short, big, small, um, it kind of, I think a lot of that is, is beneath the surface in ways that we don't, we don't even fully understand still. Yeah. It's super complex. Yeah. And I, I think that this was a idea I heard, I think from like Jordan Peterson or something, but he was talking about how your identity isn't necessarily just yours and that it's important to be involved in a social structure, whether that's like family or friends or whatever, because as we grow up, like we get feedback on our identity. So like, you know, you can, you can try things out. And if you have like a supportive social structure around you, they'll say like, like, no, that's not, that's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's an important element. So like our identities are definitely something our own, but it's also something that we need feedback from our surroundings. So I think that, you know, as far as body image, I think, it can be confusing because like, because there is an important element of getting feedback from other people, but with body image, it's kind of like, it it can get very unhealthy if it's, if, oh, yeah. yeah. Do you think identity and body image can be divorced from each other at all? Or do you think in a way they're kind of like part of the same thing or are the same thing in a way? Oh, I think. I don't think we can divorce ourselves from our body image. And I think really what we want, and we're seeing like pushes with like the body positivity movement, we're seeing pushes to have people embrace themselves and embrace their bodies as they are. Um, But it's interesting. I've been thinking about this a lot, even before this podcast, like there's this idea of false toxic positivity. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that term, but it's like, that kind of, um, the, the idea that we, like when people say things like, oh, everything's going to be okay in the end, everything happens for a reason, or like, you'll get through this. Like sometimes when someone's telling you about a challenge, they don't want to hear that because it's actually kind of dismissive and doesn't validate their experience. And sometimes, I mean, I've come to truly believe not everything happens for a reason and not everything is going to be okay. So I've been taking that idea and thinking about like, sometimes we need to sit in the darkness and go inward and think deeply about like, well, well, why am I feeling so challenged or burdened by X, Y, and Z? And when you, when you translate that to body positivity, I don't really like the idea that we're just trying to bombard people with these messages like, oh, like you're beautiful just the way you are. Because if that person doesn't sit in that, those shitty feelings really and explore where they're coming from, whether it's their childhood, their marriage, society, being bullied as a kid, whatever it's coming from, I've come to believe like if you're not willing to go inward and into the darkness and deal with that, just 
being bombarded with messages like, oh, you are beautiful. You are enough. I don't think that's enough. I hope that makes sense. But <laughs> that's a really good, a, a good point. That makes a lot of sense. And also just a, a sliver of that is also like, I think you can say like you're enough because there's also an element of like health, right? So like if you are, you know, overweight, there's a lot of like health issues that generally come around with that. And, um, and so, you know, encouraging someone to get healthy, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that if you're doing it in the right way. So I think that that also plays in a little bit of what you're, of what you're talking about. Yeah. And it kind of, I think the, the, I guess the piece that I'm trying to draw attention to is like that internal validation. So yes, I can tell you like, you are enough just the way you are. I can say it to you. I can say it to my kids, but unless that person really believes it inside and does the work necessary to believe that, which is for some people, it's a whole journey for other people, depending on how they were raised, it might be less of a journey. But I think um, like one of the reasons I love CrossFit so much is I show up, you guys have this challenging workout planned. I feel like there's no way I'm going to get through this. I'm going to be dead. And then I get through it. And to me, that is a source of internal validation. I'm the one I'm able to be like, wow, I just did that. And you guys have created the programming. But again, it's coming from inside of, of me. And um, I mean, I don't want to get too philosophical, but I think like I could go, I could find a partner who says like, you're beautiful, you are enough. But again, if I don't do the work to believe I'm enough or show myself I'm enough, it's not gonna, it's not gonna matter. I think the key word that you said in all that to me is work. Like that, it's gonna be work to change your own perception of who you are. Yeah. And I think it's a lot easier for people to either give or receive the message of you're okay right here, right now. Everything is fine the way it is. Your body is fine the way it is. And if that's an untrue statement, then that's is not going to help the situation at all. And this is a funny thread we can kind of pull back to our last guest, Brendan. He said it wasn't until he finally basically face the truth when he finally looked in the mirror and said, look at, look at this. Do you like it? No. So let's change it. It wasn't until like that moment where he really looked himself in the eye and looked truth in the eye and said, Hey, I'm overweight or I'm unhappy or I'm this or I'm that. Not until that moment happens, you can't make any change. Right. And if you're just yeah reiterating that you're okay with what you are, with where you are, you have to be in a way okay with what part of the process you're in, but, but feeding that lie to people or to yourself isn't going to change anything if you want things to change. And it is a lot of work. And that's, I think what keeps most people that barrier of entry is like recognize the truth, look it in the eye. And then now, now it's just starting. Now the work has just begun. That's an interesting point The the work, because, body types can be so different. And even if you just look at an athlete perspective, like if you look at a marathon runner, like the best in the world, they work their butt off to get this like really skinny underweight body. Right. And when they look in the mirror, they're probably like, I'm crushing it. Right. Like this is great. And then you look at a power lifter who's, you know, they're generally overweight because mass moves mass, you know? And so they, they, 
they get big and when they look in the mirror, they're probably, you know, fine with it too. You know, like I doubt that guy Thor like looks in the mirror and <laughs> yeah. about this stuff, you know? So I think, I think it, it really does matter about your, your goals and your work ethic and what you want your body to be. And so I think that, you know, if, if you look in the mirror and you truly think like, this is good, this is where I want to be, then that's a, that's a good goal, no matter what you look like. Right. Um, but, um, but like you're saying, it won't matter if you, even if you're ripped six pack and you look in the mirror and you're not happy, that also, you know, is common. Um, so I think that internal view of yourself is, is important. So going back to this idea of work, well, I realized that sort of like a cause and a symptom of my low self-esteem was self-abandonment. So really not doing what I wanted to do. And that was very prevalent in my marriage because he was very uh, controlling with money. So like I could have never joined CrossFit because it would have been this argument about the expense. I never, like I didn't plant a garden until I filed for my divorce. I joined a CSA. I um, started buying like clean household products and beauty products, but those are all things that like I just kind of had to abandon things that were important to me and really added value to my life and currently add value to my life, but that I had to abandon in my marriage. So I've learned that I need to stop self-abandoning. And instead, a huge part of rebuilding my self-esteem was making little promises to myself and then and then um, fulfilling them. So whether it was like setting a goal or just making a promise, um, they might be a daily promise. Like today I was on Instagram and then I was like, I'm going to not get back on here until tonight when my kids are gone. Cause I want to do this. And then I want to spend the rest of the day with my boys. Right. So I won't access social media the rest of the day. That's just like a, a, a little promise. It could also be like, I'm going to drink eight ounces of water every morning before I have my coffee. And then the more we make these promises and keep them, which is part of the work, um, we start to build our self-esteem because we're building our self-trust and our trust in our own decision-making. And so CrossFit is like this great way to sort of set goals for yourself. You guys, the programming has the goals built right into it. And so um, I don't have to say like, my goal is to, I'm sure people have these goals, but I don't. Like my goal is to deadlift X number of pounds. I don't have a goal. My goal is really to just keep deadlifting more pounds. <laughs> and and like the, the there's no limit, right? Um, or sometimes like right now, my goal is to get back to going three to four times a week like I was in March. Um, and what I like is that I don't, I don't compare myself to the people who go five or six days a week. I'm really just comparing myself to my, my March version of myself. (laughs) And again, I feel that it all ties into, um, making and keeping promises and and stopping the self-abandonment, which is the work it's work and it's hard. But when you start doing that, you start really being like, wow, I can do these hard things, physical and mental the personal responsibility that is necessary in order to make any true improvements in your own life. And I, I think it's specifically in in our culture right now, it's people are wanting and getting more and more to outsource that work to other people or to other things, or maybe, you know, just delaying or kind of like amusing ourselves other ways when really 
really it's on us. Like you said the word self almost every sentence in that, <laughs> that little run you had, which is awesome because that's really what it boils down to. Like if there's changes that need to be made, it's yourself that needs to do it and, and for yourself. And I think that's also a missing piece of the puzzle with the body image is like as much as you can get support from people, nobody is ever going to do the work for you. No. And that's, I agree with you in our current climate, I get discouraged by the way um, health is being approached. It, it makes me, um, it frustrates me, I guess is the right word um, because I, I work in healthcare and I know a lot of really healthy people. I also have like surrounded, surrounded myself with like-minded people who eat well, take supplements, um, exercise. But um, I also treated a patient this weekend who was 550 pounds. And, and it was really sad for me because I wanted, I know this person, you know, just listening to him talk he definitely had low self-esteem and self-worth, but he used like a lot of self-deprecating humor as a coping mechanism and his comorbidities and list of medications was just really discouraging. And I could have given him a spiel or a pep talk, but I know that for this man to overhaul his life, it has to be self-motivated. It's Mm got to come from inside of him. And actually, I tell people all the time that I filed for a divorce because um, I like uh, less now, but I was really into the Whole30 program. I actually even became a Whole30 coach, which I think was more like proving to myself that I could do it because I'm no longer a Whole30 coach. But anyway, I kicked off 2019 with a whole 60, 60 days of like really strict, clean eating. And a few months later, I filed for a divorce. And it was because of not only the mental clarity and lifting of the brain fog that came from eating so well, no alcohol, no sugar, but also I finally did something for me. It wasn't about other people or making other people happy. I had had two babies in a couple of years. I had breastfed, you know, like that's really a sacrificial process for women. Like we give our bodies over to this beautiful process, but it still takes a toll. And then I did this thing for myself and just snapped out of it. Like, oh, I got to get out of this marriage. This isn't, this is not serving me, but it took, it took me taking action. What do you think it would take? This is a this is a loaded question, so and I don't know if there's an answer to it. In your opinion, what do you think it would take to to somewhat shift the the scales of of our culture right now for people to take action? Because I originally had thought, you know, as as COVID was kind of climaxing and coming back down a little bit, I'm like, if this doesn't motivate you to get your shit together and get healthy, what is going to motivate you to get your shit together and get healthy? And and it's, I think we're seeing a little you know, a little bump in people taking responsibility for their health and wellness now. Uh, but maybe I was just being, you know, optimistic. I thought it was going to be this massive explosion of public health awareness and, and like personal responsibility and, and we need to take control of our lives. And it doesn't seem that way. Um, what's your thoughts um, on that? I'm a real cynic. So <laughs> you might want to cut my answer out. I don't know. I honestly think that this goes beyond individual responsibility and that we are facing large scale propaganda that is not forcing people to confront the fact that they have to take responsibility. That's what I think. I think that people 
um, if our government and our mainstream media put the same level of time and intensity into the messaging behind self-care, whether it's mental health, sleep, supplements, exercise, and nutrition, if we were bombarded with that the way we're bombarded with the other stuff, we might then see a shift because... Oh God, if you follow, follow me on Instagram, this is like all I, this is like, this is all I want to talk about. So feel free to cut it out. Cause I know you've got a broad audience, but I just believe that as long as our government and, and big pharma and big food are all in cahoots, big tech, because big tech controls the messaging. Um, I just don't think we're going to see a change. And that's why I'm really vocal about it. And I've, I actually, because of my whole 30 stuff, I went from like 200 family and friend followers to 3,500. And I've lost 10% of those people over the past year because I'm really vocal about this stuff. And to me, that's insane. It's insane that people cannot tolerate that. The message that I'm, I'm just trying to advocate that no matter what your personal choice is about um, vaccination, okay, that we all have a personal responsibility to take care of our bodies either way, like whether, whether you get a shot or not, like I get the flu shot every year for work. Right. But I still do stuff to try to prevent getting the flu and or having a a severe case of the flu. And I just think that until it's got to come from the mainstream message, the mainstream media, but this stuff, gets drilled into us, the sort of follow the leader gets drilled into us from the time we're kids. Mm. Yeah. I, I hate that I have to, but I do agree with you on pretty much everything you said. And I think he just means that it's a, it's a unfortunate reality to swallow. I will say one thing that, Maybe, maybe this is me as a fitness professional. And I also have a degree in phys ed and I've been in elementary school, public school, high schools. I've worked with all age kids and now I'm working with adults. I think this is the optimist in me that we are in ways like a counterculture to help combat all these negative aspects that maybe the government isn't giving us support. Maybe the mainstream media isn't giving us support. Tech isn't giving us support, but people can give each other support. And, and like to think of an analogy, like the music revolution in the sixties, like that seemed like a a wild thing that wasn't going to change anything. It was just kind of weird counterculture. But now you look back, you know, 60 years later, and that was one of the biggest revolutions in our main, in our mainstream thinking. It just took a long time to permeate, but it all started with like this organic grassroots counterculture. And I think if we in the fitness realm and even outside the fitness realm, spread that message of personal responsibility and give people the tools to actually fulfill it, then who cares if the government's supporting us or, or if the mainstream media is giving us those same messages. I a hundred percent believe with believe and like agree with you about that too. And I don't, I am a cynic, but I also am optimistic and I believe that we are going through a global shift, like a global awakening, but it does feel slow because if you've already got that awareness, you're like, oh my God, when are the rest of you going to catch up? Mm. But again, so cut out whatever you guys feel is appropriate. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was, um, 
it, when the pandemic, I, I don't know if you remember, but we were forced to shut down in yeah. May. And, um, yeah. and I was like pretty vocal about like wanting to reopen because like, it's my belief that like, I I'm creating this place for people to stay healthy. And like, yes. that's the number one thing we can do for this. And I got like, I got some hate thrown at me for that. And we lost some members and like, you know, but that I think for me, like I have no regrets about that. Like it's, it's, it's more important to me to kind of stand by my values and like, and keep charging on what we're trying to do here. Um, and, you know, at the time, nobody knew what was right. Right. And, and uh, at, at this point I can say, I'm pretty, pretty confident that we did the right thing by trying to open up as soon as possible in a safe way. That's, that's a really good point because what you did was listen to your instincts and your gut. And I think part of like this almost like culture of being asleep is about shutting down our internal instincts and, and turning off our gut. And so one thing plowing through my divorce taught me was like, no, I got to listen to my gut. I got to listen to my instincts and I'm, I know what's right for me and I know what's right for the people I love. And that comes from a sense of a good sense of self-esteem and self-worth. Right. But if we keep people eating garbage, um, taking meds, um, and it could be anything from like a, a daily, I have patients who take ibuprofen daily. I'm an occupational therapist. Um, Tyler. So I work in outpatient therapy and in inpatient hospital. So, you know, I have patients on all kinds of meds and it's like this uh, processed junky food, medications, um, the products we use in our households, all this stuff is just sort of clouding our thinking. I really believe that. But, but I think Tyler's right that there's like this global shift to people waking up to this, it's really like a toxic relationship. And I've drawn a lot of parallels between what I see going on in the world right now and what it was like being in an abusive marriage because my ex-husband would gaslight me all the time. Like, like he might abuse me verbally or physically and then basically say I was lying when I accused him of that. <laughs> it's like, wait, no, that's... And so right now people have these instincts like, well, I'm not really sure um, that... Um, COVID is as scary as it is, but then we get drilled with COVID is scary. You know, you're, there's a new variant. And even if you're vaccinated and all these things, and I feel like our minds are just really being, we are being tested so much right now to really stand in our truth and follow our instincts and stand up for what we believe is right. And I, I honestly want everyone to do that, even if what they believe is right is different from what I believe, because to me, that's democratic. I don't want everyone to just think like me. But if but if you don't think like me, please, please be able to explain why you think differently. That is one expectation I have, like at least be able to explain your rationale. Don't just tell me you trust science. Uh, kind of attempt to tie this back into like the body image. debate. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to oh, become God. a master weaver of webs right now. Um, how do you think the mainstream media is affecting body image in terms of maybe kids' self-esteem or even just through social media, through, you know, this, this mass media? What has that done for our body image? Good things, bad things, so forth. You mean during the pandemic or just in general? No, just in general. In general. 
Oh, I mean, I think that I, so I'm 36 and I, um, I first had access to Facebook like in 2003 or four when I was a freshman or sophomore in college. And it was so different then. And now social media has changed so much. And I've actually said like, I'm so glad social media was not around when I was a teenager. Um, because I, I think one, we are all just bombarded with images of people living like their best life, right? We, we see people on their vacations. We see people in their bikinis. Um, everyone, I mean, I know how to take a selfie that makes me look skinny. So, you know, like we are all posting the best of the best instead of the worst of the worst. And so for kids, especially who are in these formative years and trying to, um, trying to form a a sense of self-worth. I think they're on shaky ground because how are they, how can, again, when your um, sense of self is so informed by other people's perceptions of you and of the world, and it's setting the certain standard, then I think, yeah, kids are going to have a hard time feeling good about their bodies. Mm. It's almost like two different realities when you look at yes. life outside of tech and life in tech. And, and it also sets up these, I think you use these terms too, like these unrealistic beauty standards or performance standards, even for, uh, you know, this isn't just male, female, this is everybody across the board. Like there's this kind of unrealistic standard to get that you feel inclined, like you have to reach if, if you're going to be accepted. And I think that's, if anything, one of the biggest detriments of media. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, kind of talking about the, the, the way others affect your view on how you look, um, going back to that, I was just thinking about how, like in the world of CrossFit, like the, like, we'll just talk about females, you know, like, uh, cause it's a, a kind of a more, better example, like, like strong muscular females is almost like the standard or the thing to look up through in the CrossFit world where, um, when CrossFit first came out, it was like, Oh, I don't want to look like a guy. And like CrossFit makes you look like a a guy. And it was like this really negative, like the rest of the world looked at muscular women or strong women as like a negative thing. And I think that's definitely changed a big part because of CrossFit. Um, and, but it's also a good example of how, like who you hang out with or who your social, um, environment is affects the way you think about yourself. So like, I think it's a good thing that CrossFit encourages strong women, you know, like there's nothing wrong with being strong. And I, I think that's great. And then if you're living in like the runway model, world like that's not great and like you know skinny and unhealthy is is what they view as 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 good and normal and ideal so um i don't know have you uh, i guess have you noticed anything since coming to crossfit and being in this community where um you feel differently about your your body image um yeah i mean I think I always, um, I did develop a a value for 
my ex-husband actually did introduce me to weightlifting when I was in college. And I loved my body at that time. Like, I mean, I (laughs) still have low self-esteem, but I remember just being really impressed because I've definitely come to believe that like muscle shapes your body, right? Like you can run and get skinny or starve yourself, but what really gives your body shape, um, is building the muscles. Um, and so I have, I had gained 24 pounds in my divorce and I've since lost 18, which is awesome. And CrossFit has been huge in helping me shed that weight. And it definitely helps that I have this baseline of eating well, but, um, but seeing my body build muscle and then the strength I feel, I posted in the um, CrossFit group about how I've been transferring patients at work by myself that other people need a helper to do. And that honestly made me feel like a badass, you know, like just to be, so not only did I see my body physically changing, but actually I had a couple surgeries. So I barely went to CrossFit for two months and I was still doing these heavy transfers. And that was because I had spent the months building up my strength. And that, that right there is self-esteem building. It's like, wow, look at these things I can do. And just that reinforcement of like, I'm healthy. I like prioritizing capability over aesthetic. And Eric talks about this very regularly with, uh, you know, kind of how CrossFit came around and changed the paradigm in the fitness world. Like it, it, it is now starting to be more about what can your body do less of what does your body look like it can do. And yeah. I think that's a huge step in the right direction. So, yeah. um, I think as an OT, I think so much about function, right? So, um, I definitely think I came into CrossFit knowing one of the things I wanted to get out of it was to be stronger, but I didn't necessarily know or appreciate how it was going to translate like into my work life. I always tell my kids that I work out so I can keep picking them up, but really to see it translate into my, um, my work life was, was pretty awesome. But what I also like about CrossFit, um, is that it's not just about strength, but, and you guys have talked about this, like in the podcast about, it's about, um, endurance or activity tolerance, agility, joint mobility. And those are all things or range of motion. And those are all things that I set goals around all of those things in my own practice, right? Increase range of motion, increase joint mobility, increase flexibility, increase strength, activity tolerance. And so it, it is nice because there's so many measures and maybe one month, the only thing that really improves is your endurance, but the next month it's your strength. And then the next month, all of a sudden, like I just, after a year of CrossFit for the first time, Zach pointed out that I was able to squat without folding my body in half. I was able to keep my chest up and that just felt good because it's because I'm stronger. And now it's like, I can almost feel my low back engaging better to pull me upright. And I just love that about process in OT. We talk about the just right challenge and you guys as coaches, you provide this client centered, um, training by giving us each the just right challenge. And if I came and you expected me to do the sport or RX workout, I would leave feeling really deflated. My self-esteem would be busted because that would be too hard. But if I came and you gave me, made me do the same scaled version as someone else that maybe was too easy for me, I'd also feel like, what? That didn't really pump me up the way I want it to. But when you guys help us scale, 
and get that just right challenge. That's why we leave feeling so good because we just did something that was hard, but not too hard. That's the key. <laughs> it's like finding that sweet spot where if you're over challenged, you won't, you won't be successful at all. And then there's no point in coming back. Right. But if you're under challenged and there's zero chance that you're going to even get better, which you also won't keep coming back for if you're not getting better. So finding that like not too warm, not too cold Goldilocks type of paradox. Um, that's fun for me as a coach too. I'm sure with you guys, like I love, I love finding the right <laughs> measure of scaling. Up yeah. Going yeah. back to women's bodies and CrossFit, you know, um, I've never really had like a goal of looking a certain way necessarily, except for in my younger years, just being skinnier. But like what I, I feel so inspired when I'm at, um, at CrossFit with other women who can do things I can't do. And I just look at them. They're also mothers. Right. And, and, and they work and they have lives outside of this, but when they're there, they've, they are just accomplishing these things that again, I don't feel like I'm comparing myself to them because I understand I'm in a different place. It really just makes me see what's possible for me. And it gets me really excited. It makes me just feel, um, it's definitely framed, made it feel like CrossFit is the lifelong fitness plan I intend to stick with because there's no re there's just no reason to stop. You guys can keep throwing challenges at me and I can keep getting stronger. And I have to say that I've been working out in a formal gym setting for 18 years. <laughs> and this is the first time I've probably actually gotten stronger month by month. That's good to hear. I was just going to add to the women's thing. I mean, I hate to speak to this, but like Sarah has talked to me about it. Um, and when we first started working out together, like Sarah, she gained five pounds immediately and she was just so like upset about that. Right. Like I'm working out. Why did I gain weight? Right. Cause her mentality was, I want to lose weight mm -hmm. because you know, that's, that was the culture she was around. And then now it's like, oh, I'm, I've down, I'm down five pounds. I'm so pissed, you know? So it's, <laughs> it's funny that she's made the exact opposite shift, you know, um, where in the beginning she was trying to lose weight and now she's trying to gain weight, even though she's like 15 pounds heavier than when we started and, and she loves it, you know? So it's, um, so I think that's a common thing in, in CrossFit. Um, you know, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing, but, um, it's, it's just funny how it can shift like that. Yeah. I've been sitting here kind of processing some stuff you said early on, Aaron, and I, I want to <laughs> no. no, And I, I, I say that because I appreciate you giving me a different perspective on a few things. And I kind of want to bring it back to that, the, the body positivity movement a bit. And I'm going to be honest. I, I don't know how to word this question or this statement. And I want people listening to this to know, like, I approach this with all the empathy in the world. And I, I hope if you've had me as a coach, you know that I, I treat everybody equally. And I don't understand the body positivity movement. I think it's what it comes down to. And I'm hoping maybe you can shed a little bit more light on it. And I, I to give you some background on that, when I first heard like the first murmurs of the body positivity, I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is great. We're going to start focusing on our health. And then the more and more it came out, the more I just saw people using it as an excuse to, to stay where they are or to get unhealthier. 
and I, I struggle with that because when, when I think body positivity, it's, it's not necessarily, I want everyone to lose weight and have a six pack. It's we're going to treat ourselves right. We're going to fuel ourselves properly. We're going to try to become the most well-rounded person physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And then, so again, when it first started coming out, I was very excited. Like we, like we're talking about, maybe this is that cultural shift we've been waiting for. And we started seeing some, some larger size women on magazines. And I thought, Oh, this is going to be great. They're going to talk about how they're going to better themselves and and they're going to reach out to their, their following. And then when you read those articles, it's just, I am who I am and I'm not changing. And I'm not telling people they need to change either, but I, maybe I guess I struggle with understanding. And you were talking about earlier, what, what I said I've been processing is that when you tell somebody you're fine, just the way you are, I never thought about it. If they, they truly don't like themselves and you're telling them that, then they're saying, well, I'm never going to be good enough essentially to the world. So maybe, I don't know if you can help me understand the body positivity thing more. Like I, when I, again, when I think of it, it's like, let's get healthy. Let's treat ourselves the best we can be. That doesn't mean we're going to be a certain size or everybody has to be a size zero or anything like that, but let's just try to get a little better every day. But I don't think that's what it's turned into. And I hope I worded that. Okay. Yeah. I think if you read about the body positivity movement, I don't really think traditionally the basic movement ties back to health. It's really just about accepting that people look different ways. And that is good. We do need to accept that people look different ways and not just size and shape, right? Which is what body positivity are, is addressing, but skin color, hair color, whatever. Right. But again, um, I, I know I feel frustrated by this movement. Like I said, because it's not, it's not addressing the underlying reasons that people feel lousy. So again, I had poor body image, um, but I was always a pretty, I always had a pretty healthy weight, you know, like I had poor body image even, and I, I'm someone who people have always perceived as outwardly confident. So now when I open up to like my friends and family and tell them that, oh no, my self-esteem was in the gutter for over a decade, (laughs) people are like, wait, what you? And and it's, and it's because like, again, it, it, we can call it body positivity, but it's, it's not addressing the internal part. And we address that in, internal part by, um, well, through mental health, right. But also through eating better and, and, um, the exercise, because again, it's, it's not just that these things are good for us, but it's that when we take care of ourselves and put ourselves first, that is when we actually start to feel good about ourselves. I don't know if that helps you understand, but I don't, again, like kind of going with the false toxic positivity. I think the idea behind it is good, but really what we're doing is we're just giving sort of this false validation because yeah, if you're, if you're just telling someone um, who feels lousy about themselves, like, well, you're beautiful just the way you are. Again, that doesn't matter if on the inside, they don't feel beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I don't know if <laughs> for some reason, this story keeps popping in my head, but um, so I won't give you all the stories about my ex-husband would pick apart my body all the time. So I left that relationship and not too long after I separated, actually, I started dating a man who I recently broke up with. Um, he's a wonderful man. He wasn't abusive, but he would say this to me sometimes. He would say, you are my like perfect woman or you're my ideal woman. And his three reasons were because I have blonde hair, blue eyes, 
and light skin. And he would tell me how he had dated women who maybe had two of the three, but it was sort of like, I had this trifecta. And when he would first say those things, I would just kind of internalize it. I don't really know how I would react. Um, And this is not why we broke up, but um, I've been thinking a lot about it lately because that as our relationship went on, he maybe said it a handful of times throughout this entire time we were dating. But finally, one day I said to him, you make me feel awful when you say that. Like, here I am, this badass who kicked her abusive husband out of her house. I, at the time, you know, I'm a Whole30 coach. I'm an occupational therapist. I'm a business owner. Um, like, I have all these things that I feel so good about. But what you're telling me is that you're with me because of how I look. And thinking about the girliness, like the femininity and CrossFit, I remember another, and I don't want to pick this man apart because he's a, he is a wonderful man. And when I said that to him, he, he was so apologetic. He had never, and that's an example of like what Tyler said earlier, like this stuff is just sort of ingrained into us socially, culturally. And he didn't even know that he was being hurtful. So once I pointed it out, he was apologetic. And I will also add that he had said nice things about like, I'm a smart woman and a super woman and a great mom and whatever. Anyway, another time, like one of my calluses on my big toe, like rubbed against his leg. And he was like, Oh, could you try to be a little more girly? And I was like, excuse me, like more girly. How can I be more girly? I have a vagina. What gets more girly than that? Like, <laughs> you know? And it just, but again, it's like these these norms and expectations we have of like men to be a certain way and women to be a certain way. And, and so, yeah, it is important that we, we let everybody just look the way they look. Um, but if you're not addressing the underlying issues that are making people, um, when, and I think with body positivity, one of the biggest things we think of, right, is being overweight, but it's okay to be overweight. Um, but if you're not underlying or addressing those underlying issues that are making a person overweight, then, and if they're miserable, then is that body positivity? I don't think so. Mm. Yeah. I think, um, I think it, it matters a lot what the, what the person thinks internally, like you're saying, because, um, you know, you, someone might not care about their health at all and maybe, approaching them and saying like, I, you know, I can't believe you're okay with being overweight because it's so unhealthy. Like that's also not right. Right. Cause maybe they don't care about um, being healthy. They just want to like have fun and, and eat whatever and drink with their friends. And that's, what's important to them. And it's not really up to, to us to project our, our values on them. And I don't know if that's like a libertarian view or whatever, but I think that, um, I think supporting people's goals and supporting people's body image is what body positivity should be um, about. But uh, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm so I'm what is considered a high functioning codependent or recovering. And what codependent people like to do is take care of everybody else. And we know what's best for everybody else. So what I really had to learn to do is when somebody's complaining or making a statement, I've learned to say, do you want, or like, are you asking for advice in this moment or are you just venting? 
And so if they're talking about their body or like, oh, I want to get back to the gym, blah, 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 you know, or I want to lose weight and I don't know how, or I want to gain weight and I don't know how, whatever. Cause I have, I have friends who have hard time gaining weight. I've really had to learn to say, um, are you venting or do you want some advice? Um, do you want to know what I would do in that situation? And it's, it's like a helpful way. Um, you're like asking for an invitation to, to interject your, your viewpoints. Um, and it gives that person the opportunity to set a boundary. Mm. So I, I think that that can be useful probably to you guys as coaches. It's helpful for me as a therapist, because like, if you're somebody who tends to be a caregiver and want to fix everybody and their problems, my patients, I'm, I'm dealing with physical issues typically, but if they are also talking about like their, um, alcoholic sister, sometimes I've just learned to say like, I'm thinking like, Oh my God, this woman needs boundaries with her sister. This is scary. This is not healthy, but I've learned to just say, do you want some input or do you just need to vent right now? And sometimes people are like, Oh, I'm just venting. And other times people are like, actually, if you've got some advice, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. I think as, as CrossFit coaches, like I'm always like, I want you to be healthy. I want you to be well-rounded because I know the benefits of that. And so when people, <laughs> like, you know, I, I'm, I want to run a marathon and like, while I see that's a good endeavor, it's also like, well, like, you know, being the best marathon runner in the world isn't healthy. Why would you want to do that? You know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think the same thing goes for body image. It's like, initially, I really want people to, to try to get healthy and be like, you know, a healthy body weight, healthy body composition. Cause that's what I, that's what I believe really helps people. Um, but like you're saying, it is, it is important to also be like, Hey, if, you know, no matter how much I want to help you, if you don't want, if you yeah. don't want, what I want for you, then. And I, th kind of I think that probably properly encapsulates my thoughts on that is that when I hear people say I'm unhappy with my health and I say, I think, okay, let's, let's get healthy. And they're like, well, no, I don't want to take care of health. <laughs> they're like, what are we doing? What's going on? And I think that's where my confusion comes from. So yeah. I, I like that. I could probably use that, uh, that, that saying in my personal life, I have a lot of friends and family who will come to me and, and say, I hate my weight. I hate where I am all while they're, they're shoving a donut in their mouth. And, and I might say, well, I want to take a look at your, your diet. And they're like, no, why, why would I want to do that? And I'm like, well, I thought you just came to me for help. So maybe I need to utilize that. Uh, are you just venting <laughs> question a little more? <laughs> Cause I, I get frustrated sometimes when people in my personal life do that and I give them advice and they get mad at me. So thank and you. Also, for that. <laughs> yeah. And it also, um, it protects you. It's not just protecting them, but like you're protecting yourself from investing a lot of time and energy from somebody who doesn't want it, like take that energy and put it somewhere else in another client or another person who wants it, because that's going to feed you also. Right. And then you'll get that re reciprocity and that symbiosis. And and that's, you deserve that back. <laughs> well, thank you. That was one of the biggest challenges for me. I think before I came to the CrossFit sphere of, you know, as a fitness professional, I was teaching phys ed, like I mentioned, and like here in a CrossFit gym, mostly everybody who comes here and pays for membership has the goal of getting better, getting healthier. Right. So it's like, there's this precondition of like, Hey, I need some help with this and you're here to help me. And 
that's what I love about it is like people want to get better. And that's, I have the tools to help them get better, but like on a larger scale, especially in like the public schools, I'm trying to teach health and wellness, but there's only five kids out of 30 kids who actually want the tools. Uh, Yeah. It's like how maybe it's just a certain affect you need, like making it fun, making it gamified, but you know, how do you reach the masses with that? uh, If they're not actively seeking it, Mm. that's the really hard part I think for me especially in phys ed and health class um, and and starting this young this whole like body body image and taking control of your health and personal responsibility for your health it's like how do you kind of instill that in in kids and even adults who maybe don't want it or know they want it yeah I've been you know as a as a parent and as a woman who had such low self-esteem tied to my body, I'm very conscious about how I talk to my boys about their bodies and they have very different bodies. So I'm also mindful not to draw a lot of comparisons, especially in front of them so that they don't feel like they need to compare their bodies to each other or to other people. Um, but it is challenging because, um, I know that right now my kids obviously aren't on social media, but I know they're going to be confronted with that. And it's probably just going to get worse as they get older. And, um, I struggle with that on a daily basis. And I have, um, we talk a lot in our household about, um, healthy bodies, healthy brains. And I love that CrossFit has the open area where my kids can see me working out because where I used to work out, um, they were in a separate area. And while sometimes I miss that, because if you've worked out with my kids, you know that they are like animals, Um, (laughs) but we will go home and they mimic a lot of the moves that they see the adults doing. So I love that for them, this is just normalizing physical activity and really challenging physical activity, pushing your body. And I love that they're seeing men and women, all different shapes and sizes. Um, But I can't imagine being a phys ed teacher, public school or private school, just combating the messaging that kids are dealing with from social media, from even their parents. Because like if you're in a household where people aren't talking about healthy food or exercise, how are you, I don't know, how are you going to go out into the, the world with that? I was really fortunate because my, my dad farmed and my mom um, was always really interested in nutrition. So I just grew up kind of knowing it starts with food, food matters. Well, I, I truly appreciate your perspective that you brought here today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Yeah. You had a lot of uh, good insights. So it was, it was great to, great to hear your uh views on stuff even beyond body image (laughs) sorry i told you i could get excited i didn't curse though i don't think maybe i did uh you guys just feel free to edit the way you need to no thank you for letting me share all my ideas and views because um i do think that i honestly actually think a lot of people are thinking some of the things we're thinking about health and wellness but people don't know they don't know how to go about like taking control or, or taking charge. Um, so I think having, I honestly have come to believe over the past year and a half that the most, the most valuable thing we can all do is have these difficult conversations or sort of uncomfortable conversations where people might have different views or different 
backgrounds and that that's like the, the way to add the most value to all our lives. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. And it's, it's especially as a business owner, it's hard to have these conversations because you can get like, I mean, if, if we said something wrong on here, um, you know, that could be headline news and we're canceled getting negative uh, reviews, all that. Yeah. And it's, and it, it could be something that maybe we say something wrong and we learn from it um, because we didn't know it was wrong, you know? And so I think you're right. Like having difficult conversations is really important and it's too bad that it's uh, so hard to, to do that right now. Yeah. Fighting a good fight and keeping that, <laughs> keeping that counterculture growing, baby. Global awakening. Here we come. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Well, this thank you, Aaron. It was a pleasure to meet you. And nice to meet you too. Hope to meet you in person sometime. Yeah, I'll come to Nashville one of these days. It's a goal, and now I've I've said it out loud now. So now I'm going to build my self esteem by showing up in Nashville <laughs> by keeping my <laughs> promise to myself. Yes. Well, I we appreciate you, Aaron. We're uh, your time. we're lucky Thanks. to have you as a part of our community. Oh, thank you sure. so much. Likewise. <laughs> <laughs>